0: Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your humble host, Brooke Brown, hence the BB. Well, we are back for another awesome episode, thanks to my wonderful guest. But before I introduce him, I do want to remind you to log on to the official website, which is is TrendingTopicsWithBBPodcast.com. There you will find links to all the possible ways to listen to this podcast that may be different than the one you're currently listening to, as well as the links to our merch page if you felt so inclined to support the pod that way otherwise you can head to the contact details that also will come back to me if you want to leave a inquiry uh, for future episodes and please if you are on a platform that can have ratings and reviews please leave one uh, preferably favorable (laughs) If you enjoy this podcast, uh, it helps this podcast be found by other listeners, new listeners, and it just helps keep this podcast going. And I appreciate all of those that have done so thus far. All right. So my wonderful guests, uh, it's been a long time coming. We've been friends for years as we will speak to on this episode. I do want to remind you that, you know, a lot of podcasting these days are remote interviews. So you may hear some background noise. But it shouldn't take away from our wonderful conversation. Uh, I'm honored that he was able to fit me in in his busy schedule. His name is Shaka Armstrong. We talk about his uh, philanthropy and what he does uh, for people in, well, tech. And we, we go a little dive into how that affects other current issues. So without ruining my lovely conversation with Shaka, please enjoy. All right. Well, thank you, Shaka, for joining me for my podcast. I appreciate it. I've been meaning to reach out for you for years, but, you know, life. Um, my pleasure. So, uh, Great. So we initially met back in the day on a little yeah. platform called Google+.
1: Yes, yes. The uh, much-valued and now-defunct Google+.
0: Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, I missed the like hangouts and the camaraderie and the idea swapping and just the the optimism that we had on Google Plus. But then it just died a horrible death with the dismantling of Google employees leaving and right. Yeah, the, you
1: know, it, it was it was a very interesting. Um, group of people it wasn't it was very different from a lot of other platforms because it seemed to attract uh, honestly it just it seemed to attract a very I don't know a very a, it was a very positive unique quirky techie artistic uh, it was just it was a really unique uh, group of people uh, and I mean, I, you know, I guess there's there could be trolls and and some of the people you find on other platforms. But I just found that, um, ha- heck, having met you and, and so many other people, it just really was a great meeting of minds. I guess is the best way I could put it.
0: Right, and I guess before the Sorry. certain. Um, Employees left Google and before they segmented the the applications of the platform, you get a sense that it started to kind of decline when you would be in a hangout with a group of people, whether it was business related or not. But the fact that people were always constantly talking about Google Plus on Google Plus right. and, you know, to maybe that theory that it was going to take down a Facebook or a Twitter and instead of really looking at the positivity of the community that it was building, did you think that that was kind of a big deal of why it kind of dismantled as well?
1: You know, it, that's a tough one because it, it just never reached that critical mass um, in terms of being able to overtake or or become a competitor to some of the other social network networks and even though many people who thought the platform was robust enough to actually do that it it just seemed to never get there and i think part of that is google you know they they were promoting it they were pushing it but at some point it seems like their, like their attention span, wears off. You know, they they they're all about it, and like you said, there are people who are leaving it, and it's almost like, oh, we built it. Okay, we're done. We we're on to the next thing. We don't really want to deal with this anymore because we're bored now.
0: Yeah, and that's probably of- why a lot of us that were even very um, active, kind of. Mm-hmm started to retreat and why we now find ourselves what 10 years later and we are still connected on facebook i just think yeah. the idea that, that that it kind of was supposed to live up to in a higher expectation than it could live up to kind of saw its demise in my opinion well
1: but. well you know when you when you know there there are certain things that you just need to plant the seed and let and nurture it and let it grow, and like you just said when you're when you're kind of comparing it to something else and trying to make it be something else, like there will never be another facebook Facebook caught the college crowd at the right time they caught a lot of different factors at the right time they prom they offered something that myspace didn't and, and they weren't trying to be MySpace, to, to your point. They were trying to be Facebook. And so ultimately, that led to their success. Um, whereas, as Google+, Plus, um, like you said, it was trying to be or maybe supplant those other platforms instead of just saying, hey, here we are, we're just Google+, Plus. love us or hate us. And then I think you have to be in it for the long term. And I don't know that Google was necessarily in it for the long term as much as they were in it, like you said, to be the next big thing. And maybe when the analytics, when the numbers, uh, when the metrics didn't meet expectations, it was like, okay, time to bounce.
0: Yeah. Well, kind of the reason to kind of go down this memory lane is that I know for years you've had um, quests to kind of help future generations uh, along with technology and along with like wanting to pursue maybe uh, computer science as a major or any skills related to building and facilitating tech. Can you talk a little bit about the projects you've been working on that I've been following from afar?
1: Sure, sure. So interestingly enough, one of those, so, I'll back up just a little bit then I'll get to how actually one of those projects with computer science came about because of Google Plus. Um so in 2009 my wife and I formed our nonprofit uh, Digital Shepherds. Uh Digital Shepherds was the result of me working in television news uh since 1995 and um I worked on a lot of investigative news stories. So that was like when MySpace and a lot of those things, Friendster, a lot of those networks were just coming on board. And so one of the things that I was uh, a privy to was a lot of the behind the scenes investigations that we were doing on how uh, horrible human beings on the internet were using the internet and communications technologies to prey on, uh, generally, was uh, young girls, young women. And so after years of being involved in that, I was like, you know, we've really got to do something about this. Because this is so new. Parents don't know what they're doing. They don't even know what to look for. And, it, and, and a lot of these young ladies are just such easy targets because of all this technology being so new and everybody being... Um, so unaccustomed to dealing with it in their homes. So we started Digital Shepherds to do uh, digital literacy education in schools. And that's what we started out doing. Initially it was just for parents. So we'd go out to PTA meetings and speak to parents about basically internet safety. And uh, then it grew to the point where we were being asked to speak to children to uh, junior high and high schoolers, so we moved on and started doing that, and so we would go speak at school assemblies, um, and we literally did uh, digital literacy classes here in Southern California, primarily for thousands of uh, children, high school and junior high uh, age, and it was really successful because I'll tell you one of the things that 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 really threw me a bit and showed just how like willing people were to reach out to get that information was. I am a, uh, uh, back then, let's see, I was 30 something. I'm not much older than that now, but I was 30 something and uh, I'm a black man, I'm a, I'm a big dude, but I, I had this uh, Jewish day school reach out to me. And uh, uh, Heschel, Heschel day school. And I was, and they called and I'm like, oh, do you, they said, you know, hey, do you offer these classes? And I'm thinking, yeah, but you know, this is a Jewish, like, I don't speak Hebrew. Like I don't know if there's anything I need to know or do X. And we just had the most wonderful time. And, you know, when we talked, they were like, Hey, there are certain, we want to know what you're going to say. And kind of there are certain things we were really, you know, guarded about when you're going to be speaking to our junior high age, Children and so we kind of worked that out and made sure that the classes we were going to provide for them were appropriate for their particular um, guidelines and social mores, and it was wonderful. And so, we, uh, but then Google Plus came about as we talked about, and I met a group of people on Google Plus, and through kind of hanging with them in different chat groups and stuff on Google Plus, they found about found out about what I did with digital shepherds. And I ended up connecting with them and working with an organization uh, uh, called Idea. And Idea was one of the organizations that used to put on the big Android barbecue uh, that a lot of people on Google Plus became very familiar with and attended. And so I worked with uh, big Android barbecue, my wife and I, to uh, take uh, uh, Android development instruction uh, computer science to underserved uh, youth. Excuse me, underserved youths uh, all over the country. So we were in D.C. and Seattle. We went to Texas, and, and we just had a, a blast uh, teaching. So we did that, and then on Google Plus, I also work for a local news station, and I got the local news station to do celebrity fan chats, and we actually used Google Plus as the platform back then, the Google Hangouts, to do the fan chats. And we did something that nobody was doing. And we actually got the support of Google of the actual of corporate product management came into our building and helped us set up equipment. And so we we would put like eight, 10, 11 people, I don't remember what the cap was, in a fan chat with like A-list celebrities. I mean, we had Gary Oldman, Mike Tyson. Uh, we had Sean Bean during Game of Thrones. We had all these these really incredible people, singers, uh, 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 Tony Braxton. I, I mean, I, just some amazing people, and people got to just sit there in a Google Hangout and talk to them, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. So I've kind of had my hands in just playing with a lot of uh, tech, and and I think uh, and tech literacy. Um, Including I've been on air as a journalist, a tech reporter. So I've been fortunate and blessed to to just really do what I love and and help people in the process.
0: I remember I remember uh some of those announcements of people you were chatting to over the years, and I was like, oh <laughs> <laughs> um, but who knew that fast forward to 2020, and it would become the year of the Zoom interviews. So, oh yeah, uh, of celebrities. But so that I, I really like that idea. So over the years, obviously, you just mentioned you had a lot of success and some really great time helping facilitate tech and and computer science to people that may have not had the chance to. Uh, are mm-hmm. you still? I mean, obviously, I've, I've looked up, but how has things evolved? Are they in that technology evolved so quickly? So what what have you seen kind of the results of some of what you well,
1: experienced? it's interesting because, so at the station, we did those fan chats, but they, they were really popular with, the group of with our circle with the group of people, but because Google plus itself didn't take off um, as big as Google would have liked it to. It also actually limited our reach. Like we had uh, back then, I think we were the number one news station on the platform, uh, local news. And I don't remember if we were even bigger than some of the national outlets. And we had like over a million um, followers on the platform. And, and, but when they shuttered it, you know that affected what we were doing there, and it was all just set up so easily with that. But then, you know, you also go through management changes, and you go through shifts where people come in with different agendas and different plans, and and so sometimes your best efforts can go the way of the dodo bird as a regard, as a result uh, rather of that. But for me, through that time. I actually moved into more of uh, doing more of a tech reviews and, and kind of getting in more involved on that side of things and bringing products uh, and reviews and, and current events uh, to the broadcast side of television. Uh, So I moved into that and then producing tech segments for uh, the morning news for good day LA. And uh, so Really moved into more of a focus on that, and then was able to kind of bring some of that awareness and uh some of that instruction and that digital literacy to to more of the uh broadcast mass market
0: well, it just kind of brought up an idea and I mean uh not to bring down the mood a little bit, but mm-hmm. do you, with the with the year we've had with protesting and and uh representation and certain Well, people just kind of educating others on representation throughout all kinds of media, digital media, or in this whole cancel culture uh, Uh world. With what you've done in your career as well, you know, working um, at the news station, along with your nonprofits to help those, have you been met with a lot of opposition, maybe because of some of these social issues we are currently dealing with?
1: Well, that's an interesting thing. So right now (laughs) we're experiencing, uh, I mean, for a lack of a better term, I I guess you could call it the great white awakening because white America is because of the, the, I want to say the intimate way that. George Floyd was murdered on on camera. It really shocked the system, but it was a confluence of events because you had everybody home because of the pandemic and Then you have this horrible, horrific murder that took eight minutes and forty six seconds this long drawn out thing that again i I stress. Always that it was intimate because we had a close-up of this man's face with this satisfied smile as he had his knee on George Floyd's neck. And, and so it wasn't this this camera angle or shot that was 50 feet away or a hundred feet away. You were right there. You heard him talk and you heard him cry out for his mom, and that's why I say intimate, because it really touches people. And there's a saying that a pastor I heard recently say, he said, uh, proximity breeds empathy, distance breeds suspicion. And so the proximity to that murder on camera, it 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 bred, it, it, it created, it, it allowed people to to really feel that moment. And so with that, and with the pandemic, it was just, it, it was a powder keg. And one of the things that has happened is when we have um, uh, college students come through the news station, and they'd ask me, and they'd say, Shaka, uh, I want to be a journalist. How do I do that? And I would tell them, don't wait till you graduate. You can do that right now. You take out your phone, your iPhone, your Android uh whatever you have and you know get yourself a cheap mic and go out there and start just recording news if there's a a protest if there's something going on take your phone go interview people edit it together you guys your generation you have the tools in your hand uh uh that are more accessible than than any generation before and you don't have to wait to be a journalist you don't have to wait to journal video wise what the world around you, what's going on. So do it now. And, and that's what, you know, this technology has enabled is for citizen journalists and, and, and for people to capture moments like that. Um, you know, Walter Scott happened was was caught on camera. We have Philando Castile. We have all these people who've been murdered on camera and and it's brought with it an awareness of the struggles that that Black Americans, men and women, um, LGBTQ, go through, and again, everything just happened at the at the optimum time, I guess, for to create this this storm that we're in right now. And and I don't want to say the right time because a man lost his life, you know. So it's hard to say that, but they but. And I think history looks will look back on this moment and say it was a horrible, horrible thing that happened. But out of that, potentially, and I hope we could say down the road that out of that, some actual substantive changes uh, occurred in our in our society in the fabric of our society.
0: Oh, I definitely agree with with that sentiment. Like it's just kind of been exhausted, um, but. Yeah. I guess along with the optimism that we're hoping that will come out of this, do you think as somebody that has been in working for like a news station or in the news organization or in the media for as long as you have as a career, what is your take on everybody's divisiveness on how the media has been handling the 24-hour news cycle?
1: Well, okay. Uh, as Dave Chappelle said, as a habitual dissenter and someone who's worked in the media, I actually, I think I have a fairly uh, objective opinion because, I, again, as a Black man in America, I've, I grew up watching the media characterize Black people in America a certain way. You know, when Ronald Reagan was in office, we had the uh, uh, the mischaracterization of the welfare queens and during the crack epidemic you know, even though white men on Wall Street were having huge cocaine parties and internet startups, dot, or the dot-com boom, you know, they were having drug riddled parties it was the black folk in urban areas who were the ones that were being policed and the ones who were winding up in jail and, and, and behind drug use. Again, even though the same thing was going on uptown. So I, I've watched the media be a tool of propaganda. But I've also, in the time I've been in the media, like I said, I started in 1995. And then, you know, having run my own blog on, on internet safety, one of the things I noticed is people don't pay attention to what isn't urgent. So, for instance, on my own blog, I um, would write an article about, you know, how the the five to eight steps you needed to use to turn on Google Safe Search. And the article would get a little bit of traffic, it was fine. But then when I would write an article on um, pedophiles across, that were were in a sting and were arrested in this international bust by Interpol and our government working together. All of a sudden, the traffic on my site shot through the roof. So you have this grabby headline about an international ring of pedophiles that ultimately affects fewer people. You know, there are obviously people affected by this and potentially in the millions, if you look at pictures being shown online and things like that, but everyone uses a web browser, you know, whether at work or at home. And so when you put up an article that shows everybody how to actually make your internet safer and you're not really getting that much traffic versus this kind of sky is falling, doom and gloom headline, and now your traffic is going up, it just shows you what people's habits are like. So, in one regard, I don't necessarily blame the news for kind of how they portray things because if it doesn't make money, they're not gonna do it. If it doesn't bring ratings, they're not going to do it. Bill O'Reilly started off this whole personality thing on cable news. When Fox put Bill O'Reilly on, man, the ratings just amazing. So what did everybody else do? They said, oh that brings ratings. Let's get personalities on. Let's get, you know, the different people, the Rachel Maddows and 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 all these other people, whether you're left or right, progressive, uh, conservative, I really don't care. Uh, but they all, that's what, what kind of drove the business. So when people want to sit back and go, oh, the news is horrible and it's it's affecting the way we think and all these things. My question is, what time do you spend? How much time do you spend reading what articles? Would you spend more time reading an article about Kim Kardashian and and her exploits, or will you spend the time reading an article about changes in the tax code and how that's going to affect all of us? So oh. that's what personally, people really ask themselves. Yeah, well, personally, the second one, but yeah,
0: yeah. But I get what but, I get. What you're making is yes. pe- at the end of the day, people are searching for news that's inherently. Maybe an escape from reality. So, yeah, and following always... Kim Kardashian's latest Instagram post may be more exciting to them than actually uh, Black Lives Matter or something going on.
1: Well, you know, I can just tell you that as somebody who's actually run the back end of certain media outlets, um, Facebook, and looked at analytics. When you post articles that are salacious, and again, they don't have to be like salacious in the headline, but you know, there's pop culture news and then there's hard news. So, news organizations are going to post both, right? They're going to post entertainment news, they're going to post uh, hard news. And the entertainment news stories always seem to get more coverage. Uh, uh, um, uh, pursuits, traffic pursuits, get tons of Facebook numbers. Like, there are certain things that tend to do really well. On Facebook and social media, and frankly, a lot of times it isn't the stories that we really—that I think we really should be concerned about. Generally, like politics. So, like you're talking about technology, and you brought up um, media and media coverage. One of the things to me that technology would be great about covering, that people should be really like digging into, is like voter suppression. You have places like. Uh, Georgia where we recently had um, uh, we recently had uh, elections there and you know you had what one polling place for thousands of people in a city that's like come on you know that that's not an accident and so we can use technology now to to highlight those and to mobilize people and to get people out there voting and and speaking out against these tactics where they'll shut down DMVs so people can't get licenses and they'll they'll shut down polling places so that there's only one per several thousand people and it just happens to be in a minority area. And, and we can uh, unify and mobilize better around technology, regardless of what media promotes. Because the one thing is if something goes viral, if something is trending, if something's a big deal, media is gonna cover it. And that really gives us, we the people, power if we harness it appropriately, which is what Black Lives Matter has done in the wake of George Floyd, in the wake since since Tamir Rice.
0: Right. I mean, it is when you read that like, oh yeah, we're gonna have a, the primary election, but we're only gonna have you be able to vote from these hours, and we're only gonna put one point in place. And, and you're like, for that many people, how's that even possible? Yeah. But my question is why other than we could go down a whole never rabbit hole with government policies, but in terms of technology to kind of bring it back to what we started talking about, is there other than a political motivation why voter why why we can't vote via like the internet?
1: I mean Well in one regard that that in one way that that is a, would be amazing cuz that would, well, you know, actually, no, it actually wouldn't be amazing. At, 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 at first blush, on the surface, it sounds like it would be amazing. But when you factor in that 50% of uh, people living below the poverty line don't have access to broadband, um, don't have access to internet, the most frequent way they use their, their access to the internet is by a smartphone. So, And we know mobile sites and especially government is not always the best. So that is something that would be a scary proposition because there are so many people in this country who don't have access. And and then that's without even looking into hacking. You know, we know that outside forces, outside influences have brought their weight to bear on our election process, you know, We've done it to other countries for, for decades. And now other countries are doing it to us, and probably very successfully, because if you look at the trolls and the bot accounts on Twitter and Facebook, some of these major Facebook groups that were probably Russian bots and really increasing the division among people, um, it would almost be a scary proposition to have internet-based voting. But with our regular voting, it's still, even with that, it's, it's problematic. We have people in positions of power telling us that vote, voted mail-in ballots are, are not a good idea and they're a bad thing. And, and yet, throughout history, the biggest area of fraud we've seen consistently has been in suppression. So... The voting thing is not easy. To me, the easiest thing would be to actually just make all voting a national holiday. So when we vote for a president, it's a national holiday. Give people the day off, make it accessible, uh, make it easy access, but then you'll find out that members of our government don't want it easily accessible. Uh, whenever I talk about this, there's a book I always tell people to read. So it's not just me giving my opinion, it is objective because what's the most important thing we can know about our politicians? How they vote, what bills they author, what do they support? And so there's a book called Give Us the Ballot. And what the author of Give Us the Ballot does is he chronicles the actual voting records of our government officials from, the, from pre uh, Voting Rights Act of 1965 all the way up through 2014. So he, he, in this book, shows you who voted against the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and who voted for it. Then he shows you, once the voting VRA was ratified, he shows you that once it was signed into law, all the politicians who tried to get it removed or made less powerful, who tried to defang it, all the people who were against it from 1965 through 2014, by showing you their voting records, the bills they authored, all these things, how they tried to amend the VRA. So you have it all right there for you in black and white. You don't have to guess. You don't have to have an opinion. There aren't alternative facts. You can look these up. These are people's voting records. That's black and white. That's hard uh, data right there. And hard data in this case doesn't lie. Right,
0: I mean, I wasn't suggesting that it was an easy fix. I was just, the argument for some people that maybe I've heard, I've read some articles recently and that are kind of tech adjacent and they're like, well, we could just do it by the internet. But I was like, but aren't we talking about the fact that everybody's kind of mad at Facebook for web and a web? <laughs> right. so, so that's kind of why I asked your, your opinion and kind of your your view on it, because I kind of feel like. That's not an easy fix,
1: but. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, honestly, when you look at the internet and voting, I, I would be so scared of that. I, I, I don't trust our government to, to handle that properly. Um, I, I remember at the time I was kind of looking at, at our government and computer science. I think at that time, there was only one person in our government, uh, who, an in, in in elected official, who actually had a computer science degree, and that was California Senator Ted Luke. He actually has a background in computer science. And so you have all these people who I can tell you, a great many of them have no clue, have very little clue about the internet and how that stuff works. How can these people then vote or set up something that's going to be so important to our nation that's based in the internet? And so that's a, that's just, that's a very scary proposition.
0: Yeah, it terrified me when I read it, but I was like, yeah. I'm just curious with... I mean, it's one of 2020 has been one of those years where you're like, all right, what's the next thing going to come up? But uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: so along kind of we're going to shift gears a little bit, but I wanted to talk about I know um, in 2016 on Rotten Tomatoes, you wrote an article about kind of the representation of heroes of color. So you mentioned the title Luke Cage, Black Panther and why heroes of color matter. And I'm just curious, um, with Juneteenth kind of hidden a couple weeks, like a week or two ago, and they and the mo- a lot of people got it off, like, last minute, and people were learning about something that pretty much nobody learned about in school. Right. Did, you, did you see that HBO uh, made Watchmen uh, completely free right. for a couple of weeks? Yep. And what... To kind of, we can kind of dive into the article you wrote, but I don't know. I, I've I've since now binged Watchmen, and it was one of the best things that probably they produced last year. But your thought going forward in terms of such big uh, companies, such a DC or a Marvel now Disney having such representation and how we can go forward and perpetuate more progress. Now that, you know, everybody's kind of starting to wake up and smell the, as John Stewart said the other day, racism.
1: So what are well, your thoughts? I, my thoughts are actions speak louder than words. And, you know, throughout history, we can see where various people have come alongside Black people and walked the walk with us for a period of time and then left us behind. So it happened with feminism, with white women and black women during the suffragette movement where they marched together and yeah, yeah, we're going to get this, we're going to vote, we're going to get this freedom for everybody. White women got the rights, black women left behind. Uh, in the civil rights movement, there are people who marched with us and and here we are today still fighting for the same thing. So, and, and people who were supposed to be our allies because a lot of black folks always vote Democrat but Democrats have done some things just as horrible and horrific to the black community as any Republican, you know, specifically looking at Joe Biden and the crime bill. So I know a lot of people aren't going to like to hear that, but it is what it is. So when I see companies making Watchmen free, uh, when I see companies that are saying, we stand with you, and they're putting these, these uh, uh, Facebook or these social media posts up, that's all well and good. You know, when I see the democratic party kneeling with Kente scarves on to me at this point, until there's action, material, uh, uh, action behind that, it's all performative. You know, it's easy for somebody to say, I support you. It's a lot more difficult for them to actually support you. Talk is cheap. So if Disney is, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to give you money. We're going to give these communities money. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. They make billions. So, whatever they give is a, you know, if they donate it to charity, that's a write off. What I want to see is what is your board made of? What's the diversity on your board look like? See, because that's where change happens. Change happens at the executive level. So, if all these companies are talking all this stuff about what they're going to do and how much money they're going to give, I'm not impressed until I see executives. At your organization, who reflect the makeup of our country? Until then, everything else is just talk because that's what they've been doing, you know, uh, uh, for generations. Um, you know, let's oh, let's put up these commercials. Let's do a Black History Month ad campaign. Let's do so, and then you see people put out commercials that are tone deaf because either they're not hiring ad agencies whose executives are are people of color or black people. And then they put out this commercial intended for black people and black people watch the commercial and go, did they just do that? Did they really, who who, who thought that was a good idea? Well, I'll tell you who thought it was a good idea, nobody black or nobody who was in a position to feel they had the power to speak up who was black. So at the end of the day, if you're a company, if you're a corporation, you want to impress me. Show me what your board looks like. Show me what your C-suite looks like. Silicon Valley. Show me what your C-suite looks like. Who are the venture capitalists who are seeding and starting and giving money to startups? Who are the startups? So that that's how that's my take on that. And that's how I feel about that. Is you know that to me, real progress is when uh, 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 when we have diverse boards of people made up of diverse ethnic groups and and genders and and all those different things uh, represented at the highest level
0: so along those lines we just saw with reddit um, how I didn't even realize I didn't put two and two together but uh, the one of the co-founders of reddit stepping down because he's married to Serena Williams
1: right and,
0: and wanted to make the example of how we can, he could can make the board of Reddit more diverse, which they since have already hired a Black board member.
1: Right.
0: Um, a lot of people, I saw in a lot of comments online, of course, it's online, but... Right, right. Yeah, thinking that it was, like, just a big publicity stunt, and then, you know, Serena and him had a conversation, like we're having, about it. Why, when somebody... My question is why, when somebody actually tries to make, to put their money where their mouth is and actually provide a board spot to somebody deserving, why is it met with such opposition other than the obvious? Is it because it's met, it's just not seen as something that you should do?
1: uh, Because people, A, people hate change. You know, if you're a major brand and God forbid you change your website. Even if it's better, if it is, if let's say you had uh, several key points, key metric, key points of data, and you're going to change this website. So let's say your website had horrible search functionality, which most websites, many websites do, Uh, but you changed it and made it so that everything on your website was actually easier to find. People would still complain because it's no longer familiar. And, And so people don't like their stasis altered. They don't like their stasis interrupted, and, and so yes, there are plenty of bigots out there, plenty of casual racists, plenty of people who are 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 creatures of their implicit bias, uh, beholden to their implicit bias. Uh, but for all those who don't fall into that category, change is uncomfortable, and people you know don't like to be outside their comfort zone, and and. And Reddit is, you know, all you have to do is go to Reddit and post any topic about a Black person uh, that is characterized a certain way. And you'll see what Reddit's made of, you know, so it's really easy to go on Reddit and kind of see why it received the backlash it did for Alexis, uh, Alexis Ohanian doing what he did. Because you know, there are quite a few people on Reddit who, you know, are not, they're not very black friendly. Some people would say there are quite a few people on Reddit who are anti-black. Well,
0: I guess my question is, no, no, I, no, I've had a I don't spend a lot of time on Reddit personally, but right. I guess when, with what the protests and what, and seeing, a lot of people. I mean, obviously, we're kind of it's dying down in my feeds these days. But right. we we saw people try to make an effort. Granted, I wish people would still continue making an effort in educating themselves on their fellow citizens and humans. When it comes to can I guess to kind of bring it full circle before we go a little bit further on pop culture, what can we see? is it optimistic to use tech in the future? Could we see like something in tech or entrepreneurial kind of help promote black experience and black and anybody who's of color or different genders, like we've already talked about all different ethnic backgrounds in the future so that maybe these protests that we're still having today will actually mean something 20 years
1: from now. Well, we're already seeing it. It's already happened, and if it wasn't for the smartphone camera, we wouldn't be where we are today. Period. People used to always say how democratizing tech was, and I would say no, it isn't because tech, in and of itself, is uh, neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It's all up. Uh, it's all about who's using it and how it's being utilized. So they thought tech would be the great equalizer. So we put tech into classrooms and they thought that would help. And they would do that in some, um, some developing nations. So they put tech in classroom in developing nations. But what they found out is that the tech didn't actually help the class. You had to have a good teacher who could utilize the tech properly to actually uh, benefit a class regardless of whether that class was in a developing nation, a developed nation, whatever. So do I think there's tech that will make these protests mean something? No, the tech can illuminate the situations and illuminate the the state of our society to show that change does need to be made, regardless of the fact that people have been saying that that change needs to be made uh, uh, for decades. Heck, you know, the civil rights movement was all about that. but they didn't have smartphone cameras. So now, all the people who've been saying, "Hey, we're being abused by the government, that stuff's being caught uh, on camera, or it's being on social media where all these people are, are, are putting up these racist posts, and then they're getting exposed and they're losing their jobs. Because some of these people are managers, and when you have that mentality, it's easy to assume that that's affecting your hiring practices, your promotion uh, practices. So, uh, so the tech itself, uh, I don't think that there will ever be a tech that will, that the tech itself is going to change society. The tech is a catalyst for change in a society, but it's just that, it's a catalyst and you actually have to have people who are going to institute change. And that and that goes back to my earlier point about the fact that it's all performative until your board, till your C-suite looks like the makeup of our country. And that's going to take human beings to go, "You know what? I'm okay giving up some of my power so that it can be shared with, you know, that fella, that that gal, that guy, that uh, person over there." And People don't concede power easily. So I know it's kind of a downer, uh, but you know, human beings are human beings. And, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where we go from here. I don't know where the tech takes us. I don't know what it's going to enable and allow because people people are very stuck in their ways. And maybe they get better at hiding who they really are. Because of tech, I don't know. Um, but it's going to take fundamental change of the heart of human beings to actually see substantive progress. And, and I don't know how hopeful I am for that at the highest levels of, of society. And you know, when I say highest levels, I just mean the people who are controlling things and making the most money and are able to have what our society traditionally would call real power. So
0: I guess, optimistically, Ken, I guess, I mean, you're, you love pop culture. And so oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, we used to bond uh, back in the day on our hangouts about stuff. So along those lines, I was curious, I mean, we talked about representation and we've right. seen in recent, the last couple months, a lot of, I guess you could say celebrities speaking up. You got them at the funeral of George Floyd. You you have them protesting with Black Lives Matter. But then you saw some celebrities who didn't speak up, not because they didn't agree with what was going on, but but they felt that they need to they needed to check their white privilege or check their miseducation or misinformation that maybe they were benefiting off, maybe in Hollywood or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you, how how can, I'm just curious about that, what you think about the debate, whether you should speak up or not speak up in this day and age based on the fact that social media has turned people into such judgmental that like I've seen some really bad comments, not even just racist comments, but even before this broke out of when like an Ellen DeGeneres would speak up about a social issue and then all you see in the comments are shut up, you're just a comedian or a TV show host.
1: The, it didn't miss it. didn't really irks me. I'm sorry? No, that, that really irks me when I see that. Because we're talking now and somebody somewhere is going to listen to us. And what gives my opinion any weight? Nothing. The only thing that gives my opinion weight is the person listening to it and the weight they give to my opinion. Other than that, it's just words out of my mouth. You know, it, it's I'm just talking, and and so, I my opinion, Ellen's opinion is no more important than mine. You know, and vice versa. The difference is she has a much bigger platform; she has more people listening to her. And because of the culture of our society, people tend to put celebrities up on a pedestal and 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 give more weight to their opinions than uh, than the average person. But at the end of the day, they're still just a human being who's going to give their opinion. And that's no different than anybody else who wants to be heard. So when people say, well, you're just a comedian, you shouldn't have an opinion. That's like saying, you know, uh, it's just the thought, the notion is ridiculous to me. It's your job as a, a member of society to decide whether that opinion carries any weight with you or not. So to tell somebody they shouldn't have an opinion, I think, is the wrong approach. Rather, you should be looking at what they're saying and decide if you want to listen. If you don't want to listen, don't listen. You know, get your information, get your uh, uh, opinions (laughs) that you like, get them from somewhere else. But, you know, when you have some of these news pundits telling like LeBron James basically shut up and dribble, that's nuts. He's a human being. He's a thinking, caring, feeling human being who has opinions and thoughts. And whether those thoughts or opinions matter to you, that really is up to you. It's like that old adage, if you don't like it, turn the channel. So you, in my opinion, and just an opinion, as we're talking about opinions, you don't have the right to tell anybody that they shouldn't have an opinion outside of what you think they should be doing because you're not God. And you don't get to determine what that person does with their life. You get to determine how you respond, how you react, how you view what that person does. But you have no right if it isn't hurting anybody else to tell somebody don't do that.
0: I mean I wholeheartedly agree. It just drives me nuts when I, I'll be scrolling recent weeks and you know they post maybe the phone number to call the legislators to arrest the cops for Brianna Taylor and then you scroll down and you see a comment going, why do you keep posting this? And then, right. and I'm just like, well, because the cops aren't arrested and yep. she has 20 million followers or whatever yep. the number is. Maybe it'll make an impact. So I just, it just, I don't, maybe it's the way social media has developed and people think that they've, I don't know what it is, but it just seems to me like that's counterintuitive, even as a troll, while you would be like, you know, yeah. you can't
1: have an opinion. Yeah. You're not human. Yeah. But and, and the funny thing is, when you say that, you're giving your opinion. So to tell oh, somebody obviously. you yeah. can't have an opinion to for a troll to tell somebody they can't have an opinion is the is is just you know like those memes extreme ironing where you have like somebody on an ironing board underwater or skydiving. It, that's yeah. just The epitome of extreme ironing to be somebody telling somebody that giving your opinion on whether they should have an opinion. Right. Talk about circular logic. I know.
0: Well, I just, it's just curious. It's just interesting. I mean, we live in this crazy time right now. And, and, and it also could just be because of the pandemic kind of exacerbated the whole situation of people like having time to think. Right. Maybe, but still some of the habits and stuff. So. I don't want to keep you too long, and I appreciate you again joining the podcast. Um oh, no, thank you for having me. So I just, you know, we've talked about your your, your philanthropy and and your your passionate um, endeavors, and of course your blog that we kind of touched on a little bit. That I'm also going to um, leave a link to in the, the this description. But what what are you hoping to see from all of? kind of the interloping of technology with social issues and, and current affairs?
1: Um, I think the greatest thing I can hope for and then kind of people have to take it from there is is education um, and truth. Uh, the exposing, the exposure uh, of truth, people being exposed to truth. Uh, you know, our school system, is really just um a a vehicle for making people americans and by that i mean making them citizens according to how the people who've controlled america since its inception want them to be you know everything the major the majority of things I learned about the contributions of people of color and black people to America. I learned outside of school. The horrific things that Americans and the American government has done to people of color and black people I've learned outside of school. And I think that in order for you to truly love something or someone unconditionally, you have to know them for who they are. You, I, I've been married for 25 years. There goes that person setting off fireworks again. That is setting them off all over the country, apparently. But anyway, uh, uh, yeah, it happens so, here. Yeah. Yeah. across <laughs> town. I'm in LA as well. Yep. So, but it, it, I love my wife the way I do because I've been with her long enough, and we've been through enough tough stuff that. She's seen me at my worst. I've seen her at her worst and we've seen each other at our best. So we have a, a pretty clear picture of who each other is, the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like truthfully, honestly, um, we were separated for a time and we reconciled, we've been through it. And the problem, and and, and so the problem most Americans have is they have this very rosy picture of a country who hired Nazi who who hired Nazi war criminals to and brought them into and not hired them but but pardoned excuse me is what I meant to say. They pardoned Nazi war criminals and allowed them to enter government to help win the space race. So, and, and you can read about that. Operation Paperclip, by the way, I'm not conspiracy theorist of making this stuff up. This is history. Um, if if my favorite saying is once you understand the nature of a thing, you know what it's capable of. So when you understand the nature of a country that will pardon Nazi war criminals, just so they can help them win the space race, you understand what that country is, is actually capable of doing to its citizens. And so when you look at things like the Tuskegee experiments, when you look at things like the Zoot Suit riots, uh, when you look at things like Cointel Pro. um, you just you get a really clear picture of what this country is. Now, on the flip side, when everything operates, when things operate like they should, then you get people like Madam C.J. Walker, who can be the first black millionaire behind selling hair care products. You get things like, and I forget the brother's name right now, it's escaping me, but the first dude to invent the cartridge video game uh, was a black man. You know, you get these opportunities. The person who invo- who invented the uh, home alarm system, a uh, husband and wife, but I believe it was primarily the wife who engineered this system. So you 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 get people, the brother who created the super soaker. So you get these opportunities in America to become uh, a millionaire and and to to gain some wealth, but so that hopefully you can help other people out and actually help pull other people up as well. So you do have some really amazing, really wonderful things about America. But you can't, you need the whole picture. You can't just say America's the greatest place on the planet without saying America has also done some of the most horrible things on the planet to people. And so you have to have a sober picture of what you love and and of who this country and who this nation you're saying you're a patriot of and that you're caring of. And and to just make it this one-sided, oh, you know, I I love America. You know, they, it's crazy to me because nobody loves anybody. You wouldn't want somebody, you wouldn't want to be in a relationship with somebody who only ever showed you their good side. Because when they get angry, when the stuff hits the fan, you have no clue how they're going to act. And that's, that isn't real love. So when people tell me they love America, but they don't know anything about the Tulsa massacre or Rosewood, or, or the six grandfathers, it, when they don't know about these things, then I'm like, no, you don't really love America. How could you? You don't know everything about America. So that's what I hope tech really does is, is, is as I'm seeing from many people, I had somebody come to me and say, they had an amazing education, but they had never heard about the Tulsa uh, massacre. And they said, how could people do such horrible things to one another? And that was because of Watchmen. And, and so I hope that ultimately that tech illuminates, that it it educates, uh, that it, it removes the blinders and ignorance, and, and then that ultimately people will act in a productive manner on that new information. Um, so I think that's the best we can hope for, because at the end of the day, human beings, still have to decide whether they're gonna hold on to their implicit bias, whether they're going to hold on to their prejudices, whether they're gonna hold on to the bigotry, whether we're going to allow systemic racism to continue to exist. People have to make, human beings have to make those decisions uh, regardless of the tech and despite the tech.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, I I love your take on it and I, I, I hope for the best as well. So uh before I let you go, you. Um, yeah. obviously, I'm gonna, you know, link up your social media. But is there anything in particular uh, that you've been working on, or that you would like people to check out who will be listening to this episode?
1: Well, we have some some cool stuff we've been doing. Um, one of the things is uh, at uh, in here in Los Angeles on FoxLA.com. We've uh, I've been working on a project with some folk called uh, Culture Conversations. Uh, the host is Mimi Brown. And we are taking on some of these tough topics and tough conversations and and giving voice to some people uh, who traditional media um, users may not have been exposed to. So if you Google Culture Conversations, uh, or go hit foxla.com. Or the easiest way to do it is hit is is type into your browser foxla.com, and then the phrase culture conversations, and it'll come up. It's just a three-week-old project. We're on our third episode releasing tomorrow. It's a approximately half-hour uh, internet web a digital program we've been doing, and we've had some really fun, really interesting, uh, touching guests on there in just these three episodes. So that's one thing I'm, I'm definitely having fun with.